Hey, welcome back to The Last of Us, presented by Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian. I am one of your hosts. And if I have learned anything through five episodes of The Last of Us, it's uh, you cannot get attached to anyone on this show. R.I.P. Bill and Frank. We're going to talk about uh, the latest uh, deaths in this new episode. But I'm also joined by Joe Stark of Pop Culture Leftovers. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. And we've got, we've got uh, Melissa Sloter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. Billy could not make it this week. Uh, things came up, work-related, could not join us on this episode. Sad not to see him here, but I was like, let's, let's see if we can get a fourth on this one. And I uh, reached out to one... Joe Vitale of the Vintage Geeks podcast. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, man. I, the re- one of the biggest reasons I've invited, I, I love having you on our regular Pop Culture Leftovers episodes, but I know for a fact you've been listening to our recaps on The Last of Us, and that's that plays, that plays huge because you know what we've been talking about, and uh, I know you're a fan of this show. We're a fan of you, and so I was like, it just makes sense to ask Joe to come on. You, Things worked out. You're here, and I can't wait to talk to you about this uh, this latest episode. Well, like I said, I sent you that message earlier, and that was not bullshit. The, your episode four recap, all of you, was phenomenal. I mean, it was like if I was going to tell anybody to listen to a recap show as an example, that's the show I'd point out to. And it's from people who know the game and people who don't know the game. And I love hearing the theories and analysis and Everything that you guys brought to it, me knowing what happens in the game, it was it was just still it's exciting to hear. Like, I wish I could erase my memory of the game and and go start from scratch because it's it's, it's that special to me. I've played I think I told you I played it, I don't know, seven, eight times. I'm playing I'm replaying it again. It's just it's it's just it's a beautiful game. And Craig Mazin is doing this is like a master class in how you enhance the game you pay homage to it but you also enhance and expand upon things it's just it's it's unbelievable show yeah i i'm finding out things through uh other you know through through other uh, articles and things like that that uh, the kathleen character didn't even exist in the game no and like they've really expanded upon the story of like you know sam and henry and i was just like oh my gosh so like they're leaving, you know, they're, they're pulling in stuff from the game, but they're also kind of uh, adding their own additional stories and, and locations. And I, I, I was telling you guys before we started recording this week that this has to easily be the best video game adaptation to screen, to, to live action series or anything that's ever been put out. Oh, without a, about, yeah. yeah, without a doubt, this this absolutely sets a new bar for for what is attainable in these things. And um, I can only imagine that there's studios out there scrambling to just try and find the the next new hot IP from a video game that they can turn into either a movie or a TV series. I mean, well, I mean, Paramount tried it with with Halo and I, 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 I did enjoy it, but it's not great. It's not on this level at all. I, I, I something like that should have been made into a movie a long time ago. It just doesn't have the budget over there at Paramount. I, 
this, I, I think Bioshock is another one I'd love to see. I think that movie is still maybe in development. I have no idea. But, um, yeah, this is a, just an incredible series. We're five episodes in. We've got four left, and I can't wait to see how they're going to wrap up this first season of The Last of Us. See, I, I don't play the games, and so I, I, I'm going in blind every episode, and I kind of love it that way. Um, but... Um, Let's talk about this newest episode. It is titled Endure and Survive and uh, kind of redundant. I loved that. That was so cool. What a cool moment in the episode. Uh, it was uh, episode was directed by last week's director and writer. So Jeremy Webb and Craig Mazin return for this episode. And um, before we jump into it, Melissa, what'd you think about Endure and Survive? Oh, I love this episode so much. It, I mean, I, it's hard to believe after what we saw in episode three that the show can continue to get better and continue to deliver these absolutely just devastating gut punches. I mean, with characters we've only known essentially for one episode, like it's just really incredible. And this episode in particular, I felt just had so much like propulsive movement. I couldn't believe it was over. Like, I think it ends in the exact correct place for this episode. But at the same time, when I was rewatching it, I was thinking like, man, this is so much action. Like this is just going and going and going until finally, I mean, you have to slow down and kind of look at what has happened and cry. <laughs> uh, Joe, what did you think? Uh, Joe Stark. <laughs> Dude, this this episode, like Melissa was saying, after episode three, it's like, can, can they pull off that trick again of introducing two new characters, endearing them to you, and then tearing them away? And yeah, sure enough, they did. God damn. <laughs> I mean, HBO seems to be very good at coming up with these shows, like um, di directly thinking of Game of Thrones here, where you don't want to get too attached to these characters because they're not afraid to kill them off. And and man, this show does that. And the fact that it does it so soon also. And I, I just feel like this episode was the perfect cap um, to I mean, it, it's like in the middle of this season, you get this excellent, almost self-contained two episode arc of just what's happening in, in Kansas City. And man, it's not good stuff, but we had some really epic shit in this. There was some funny moments. There was excellent um, character development, the, the, the heartbreaking ending, but also that insanely exciting conclusion to the battle that was in that neighborhood where we get to see, I mean, some full on crazy shit with infected just come pouring out of the ground. We get our first look at a bloater. And I mean, this was just a wild episode of television. It had everything in it. Yeah. One thing I want to say, uh, before we dive into it, before, I, before I forget, is I really appreciated the fact in this episode, you know, we see more clickers, we see the bloater, but one of the characters, and it's uh, Henry, points out to Ellie uh, that, you know, like, oh, you've run into clickers? Uses the name clickers, which 
in every zombie thing that you ever watch, I'd say 90% of the zombie movies you watch, they'll call them anything but zombies. This one has no – it doesn't care. It's just like they're called clickers in this world. And I thought that that was very cool, not only for video game fans but for us as the viewer to also be able to call them clickers. They're not calling them something else. They're calling them clickers. And I thought that that was pretty wild because I'm just so used to zombie movies calling them anything but zombies. So I also loved this episode. I, I thought it was incredible. I think that uh, I've learned my lesson now. I'm going to start every episode with a box of tissues next to me. Um, it is uh, an emotional ride watching these episodes. I, I didn't I didn't think after episode I, I'm with you, Joe. Like, I didn't think after episode three that they could get me again. And they got me again. Uh, and they get me at the end too, with the whole "I'm sorry." I was just like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, oh, come on. Oh. I they did my. I thought the tear well had just dried up, but come on. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, they really twist the knife again there at the end. Yeah, they do. Uh, fantastic episode. Action was incredible. Uh, I <laughs> I almost wanted to cry for Perry as well. Um, what were you gonna say, Joe? Uh, one thing I forgot to mention also. I picked up so many Easter eggs from the game in in this episode too. It was oh, really great. And yeah, we can get into them more in our in our larger review, but mm. just the sheer amount of Easter eggs from the game in this just this episode alone was mind boggling. Yeah, uh, Joe Vitale, thoughts on the episode? I think I've watched this episode at least three times. Um, I, I just I haven't. I haven't been affected by a TV show or anything in media like I have with this this episode at the end. And and I can't tell you how long. It's just like I said before, it's like a master class. And this episode, Lamar Johnson's acting, um, it's again, it, it takes a tragic scene from the game and, and, and makes it even more impactful because of the story they kind of enveloped around this and they kind of built up the relationship and, you know, and, and, you know, now, and you've got a, you know, a, a, an actor who's deaf, you know, it was Kevon Wood, Woodard. And if you, if you look at his eyes, so in that last scene, if you look at his eyes, when they're writing back and forth on the, on the magic pad, you know, and he, and he knows he's, you know, been infected. He just, and she doesn't know that, but you just look at his eyes and it's just, again, conveying everything with just that. It's it's like I said, it's it's just it's just so well done. And, you know, what you were saying earlier about, you know, there people are going to want to uh, adapt different things. You have to have the right source material, you know, like Halo. There's nothing really emotional about Halo, it, you know, because, you know, this is a story about, you know, uh, two people, you know, who initially hate each other and eventually kind of find a bond and and become like a fa like a, a father daughter. Uh, you know, and I, I think the only thing that really would come close to something that they want to develop something is God of War, the the the, the recent game and, and the and the sequel, because because that has a, a a core emotional story at its heart, and that's that's what you need. But you know, Hollywood, they're just gonna hey, let's you know, let's do uh, whatever you know, because that's and throw it on stars. It's it's not going to work. And, and this is and this is especially in this case, because I don't know how I mean, Neil Druckmann, they must have done such a great pitch to HBO to have the video game, you know, creator as an integral part of the show. 
and, and is I don't think is very common because usually TV people liked they're very they're like in their silos like we can handle it you know so I just kudos to everyone who who had an open mind to in in the vision to of putting this on screen and HBO is maybe the perfect spot for it and I don't know if it would have it worked anywhere else because of their history like Game of Thrones and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the relationship between Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, it's just, it's pretty, I love Chernobyl, I thought it was great, and like Joe and I recently have been watching this Icons Unearthed, and we watched The Simpsons, it's like a six-part docu-series about, you know, the creation of The Simpsons, and like, to hear about like, all the, all the fighting that went on between the producers and not getting along, and, and still being able to put out like a great show... I don't feel like that's the case here. I feel like you've got two guys that are on the same page with each other that have some respect for this. You know, of course, I think Craig Mason's got respect for the game and the source material. And I think that Neil Druckmann probably has a lot of respect and a lot of uh, um, uh, belief in uh, what Craig Mason is able to do uh, writing this series. It's uh, it, it's something special. There's something special about this show. It's uh, I because I I remember uh, after the Halo series came out, I wasn't reading articles saying, oh, you know, the viewership has gone up. I haven't I didn't read any articles saying like, oh my gosh, Halo sales are up. And in this, I'm 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 reading like viewership goes up every week, and um, that uh, video game sales for The Last of Us have gone up. It's there. There's. It's not just the the show is is carried on over into the video games and brought back a lot of attention to the video games. This is, yeah, this is a special show, guys. Oh, w- without a doubt, the 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 amount of respect that they're paying to the source material on this and. They're they're doing it with a very deft hand with the changes that they are making because it seems like every change that they've made so far has purely enhanced what was already a very well at least of what I've experienced so far in the game is is just a fantastic storyline and it's like the changes they made are just the ones that they there's some that they had to do because it just wouldn't work in a visual medium in a television show like changing it from spores to tendrils and you know even even um. Uh, Druckmann himself was saying that he wished he would have thought of that for the game, that he thought it was brilliant that you could step on a patch of fungus in one place and a mile away, you'd wake up a, a group of infected and they'd know right where you're at. Um, and then little changes with with expanding stories of, of um, you know, emotional storylines of different characters. They made a really smart choice in changing what happened with the Bill and Frank storyline. I've recently just gone through that part in the game and it's not near as satisfying in the game as it is in, in the show. And just the changes they're doing are just very, very smart. And you can tell that, that there is this reverence to the source material and it's a fantastic partnership. And I hope it continues on into later seasons because it's working so well in this first one. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were getting a second season, which is fantastic news. But uh, let's jump into our breakdown of Endure and Survive. Um, and we actually, I, I didn't, I was thinking we were just going to jump into this next episode, kind of like 
leaving off where we were in the last one. And uh, no, we get we actually are getting some flashbacks to the revolution in Kansas City. And we're seeing the people of Kansas City celebrating as they've overthrown Fedra. And um, then we find out that Kathleen and, and Perry are basically they've got people in cells that they're interrogating. These are these are captive collaborators and she's trying to find out where Henry is and um, saying that, uh, you know, you you guys, you guys were rats. You guys were this, you were that, you, you've, 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 you've sold us out and you did it for medicine, food, and apples, uh, all these luxuries that we didn't have. And um, at that point, she's wanting to know where Henry is. And no one is saying anything. She's like, your informers inform. And I was just like, oh, my God. She comes off so – she comes off cold and cocky and, and, and just with a lot of vengeance um, in, those, uh, in those lines. And Oh, and the other thing she's saying that she's going to give them a fair trial um, – which I found. Yeah, she's like, she says, like, we'll put you on trial. You're yeah. guilty. You'll do time. Easy. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> even when we find out later that she didn't mean that, in the moment, even if she did, I'm like, you had a revolution just to to reinstate, like, a sham justice system that's no improvement on what you had before. <laughs> like, obviously, we find out it's a lie. But even when it wasn't a lie, it's not even, like, that inspiring to them. Like you're not making anything better and now we know it because you think that like trials and jails are like the way to go forward here. Oh, yeah. The the oppressed have gotten their day to rise up and they're using the exact tactics of their oppressors. I mean, are they any better at all? Not really. Nope. And Melanie Linsky, I hope, gets an Emmy for this. And I think it should be specifically for the line when she says, how does it make you feel now? <laughs> mm. Oh, the, the the thing I found most chilling about her portrayal of Kathleen is that she's such a, I mean, she's a she's a hardcore revolutionary that does have a a tremendous amount of vengeance and and rage in her heart, but the words that she speaks come out with such sweetness. Ooh. Like it, it's sounding like it's she might as well be saying like, "Hey, kids, I made a plate of cookies. Who's hungry?" And instead, chilling. she's like, you know your informers inform and she's got a gun on her hip and she is absolutely not afraid to use it. I mean, it just makes Mm -hmm. her so much of a scarier character to me that, that she seems to be in so much control, but you can tell that there's all this turmoil right under the surface. Yeah. um, She wants to know where Henry is. And uh, finally, one of the guys that's being held captive speaks up and says uh, he's he's with Edelstein. And that's where we find out the doctor's name. So it's uh, Dr. Edelstein. And uh, she was a lot more discreet than you, idiot. I loved that line. I was like, (laughs) oh, my God. And so she she orders, um, you know, her soldiers to go out and 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 look for Henry Perry is basically saying, you know, there's more important things that we should be doing. And she is just hell bent. This is, this is, this is the Kathleen we know and love from last episode. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if there are clickers in the ground. We got to find Henry. 
Oh, man. Is, is he your seventh priority? Yes. <laughs> that was wild to me, too, because I'm like, it's just, it's, it's scary to me that she's so freely saying, no, my personal vengeance is my number one priority. Thank you for doing my revolution. Please fuck off now. <laughs> like, Do what I want, which is find this one person. Right. Yeah. I don't and, you know, now that we've we've met Henry and we know Henry in this episode, it's not like the guy is dangerous. Right. I mean, I mean no, he's. He he said that he's never even done anything violent in his life, but you know he 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 turned code on the wrong person. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into the the reasons why, <laughs> um, but uh, we see Henry and Sam meeting with Doctor Edelstein, and they're in that attic that we had seen in the previous episode, and they're down to. They're down to just enough food to get them by for 11 days is what they said. Um, and, um, and so I think, is it, is it Edelstein's going to go out and, uh, try to get more supplies? That's what it seemed That's like. That's how I took it. Yeah. 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 And so 10 days pass now and, uh, Edelstein has not returned and we know what happened to him. He got shot in a cell by mm-hmm. Kathleen. And Henry and Sam are down to like the last of their food. And um, I thought that this was pretty brilliant that um, we hear some gunfire outside and, and uh, a crash of the truck and all this stuff. And as soon as we started hearing these things, I was like, I know what this is. This is th- this is we are watching Henry and Sam, while Joel and Ellie are, you know, fighting against Brian and the other Kansas City, you know, uh, rebe- re- rebels. And yeah, it's like it's like Back to the Future too, when Marty sees his fifty self yes. going through all the stuff. I love seeing something <laughs> yes. like that from a different camera shot or perspective, different angle. Yeah, and we saw that here with like Joel, you know, shooting and firing upon those men as 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 Henry's looking out the window. And what I didn't realize is that Joel had caught a quick glimpse of Henry through that window, which freaked Henry out. So. But um, and then, you know, we find out later in the episode after that happened that uh, Henry and Sam are basically following them the entire time. So um, I loved it how it showed him getting past the glass also. Yeah. <laughs> Despite Joel's best attempt at giving a visual alarm to indicators, they were able to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. So um Now we've get now we get um Henry and Sam they 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 uh follow Joel and Ellie into the into the abandoned high rise and they, yeah they they avoid the glass um they uh put the two at gunpoint and man uh the way that Pedro Pascal is like delivering his lines with <laughs> With with just seething anger, you know, it, it it's so good here. Oh, yeah, it was the funniest part of the episode to me, just the way that that he delivered that line in the, <laughs> and Henry's like, what's up with that tone? 
And and Ellie's like, he just has an asshole voice. <laughs> he has asshole voice. Tell him he's and, fine. And then he says <laughs> something just... again, and she's like, dude. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like, help me out here. Yeah, that was definitely a moment of me being like, man, I fucking love this show. <laughs> like, I know I'm going to cry later, but this is so funny. <laughs> um. So they eventually they eventually lower their weapons and um, we I, I mean now we know from watching what happened before that you know they were low on food they had no ammo so we know these guns are empty this entire time which we didn't know before in the previous mm-hmm. episode when they're being held at gunpoint and um, yeah so uh, Joel and Ellie share some food from Bill's house and and Ellie makes it a point to say that Bill is dead now. I was thinking to myself when I heard her say that line that they don't know that they had nothing to do with this guy Bill's death. Right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I thought of that. That's, That's funny. such a good point. <laughs> so if I'm Sam and Henry, I'm like, okay, that was Bill's food. Bill's dead. Did they kill Bill? <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I hadn't even considered that, but you'd think that that would give a moment of pause. Yeah. Of, especially in the Kansas City area, that's what these people are used to, is that if you're going to be getting supplies, it's it's probably not going to be through nice means. I guess you could make the argument that you don't know – if you're killing somebody for their food, the chances are you're not going to know their name in this world, but you never know. So. Yeah, that almost makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. shit, you got to know somebody before you double-crossed them. Shit. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're going to be, uh, you know, they, they basically, uh, Henry knows that they're up there to get, a like, a, a good viewpoint, a, to be at a vantage point to see a good way out of the city. And um, Henry knows of a way out of the city. And um, the next morning, Henry then fills Joel in on, like, what happened in Kansas City and um, talks about the mistreating of the residents of the quarantine zone, how the people overthrew Fredra. Um, Joel then it, it figures out that Henry's neither Fedra nor part of the rebellion. And uh, this is when Henry admits to Joel that he was a collaborator and exchanged information with Fedra. And Joel, in this moment, is like, I refuse to work with a rat. And Henry's like, you're going to have to. I know the city. And this is, this is going to be, this is the best chance that you have to get out. And Sam needs Joel. He knows that he's good with a gun. He's seen him work with a gun. And... They're, they're kind of stuck together at this point. So they, they, they haven't really – they haven't formed a bond yet. Neither one really trusts the either, the either one. But they have to – Joel has to trust him that he knows of a way out. And he needs Joel for his weapon expertise. Um, yeah. Oh, I, and I love the way that Henry said it too. He said, I show you the way, you clear it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just such a, a succinct way to break down what their partnership is going to be. Um, this is when Henry basically comes out and says that he's never, he's never killed anyone before, and and he's and the, you know, he's never 
he's never shot a gun or hurt anyone and um admits that the guns were unloaded didn't have any ammo in them at all um but that's we, that's just even more tragic towards yeah. the, with the end it's just I when know. you think about it it's just yes i, I oh. yeah i had that i i had that in my notes it, it was like the first time this guy ever shoots a gun it's in it's it's to do what he did and it's like yeah. oh my oh, god it's so tragic yeah uh, we see a, a cute moment here with Ellie and Sam um, bonding over over her uh, book of puns, and um, they're going to work together. They're going to work together to get out of uh, out of Kansas City. Sam starts talking about the plan. He, he starts to draw out a plan. He's like, you know. We can go any of these directions, but they're going to have people around the perimeter within the city. But if we can get out of the city um, and he talks about uh, the maintenance tunnels and um, how they can use the maintenance tunnels under Kansas City that have actually he, he was since he was one of these collaborators, he was talking with these Fedra soldiers and this Fedra soldier informed him that um, unbeknownst to you and everyone else in the city, I think they kind of use that as fear that there was that there was clickers and and some of the infected in the maintenance tunnels to kind of keep them there. And this guy says, no, we cleared them out. They're not there. You don't have to worry about it. And so that's their plan is they're going to um, they're going to they're going to get out of Kansas City using these maintenance tunnels. Yeah, when Joel tells him, like, so you're believing the word of that guy that there's no one down there. And then it, that gets into the, the conversation about you know them surviving, you know, a clicker. And he's like, see, I got the right people. So, yeah, it, it's. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, it's like just like in the game when you're going around the tunnels and, you know, clickers are everywhere and you're sneaking up. It's it's. The, the suspense that they use when when they, especially when they get down there is just is great yeah yeah one of the things that I, okay so they make it they they're in the maintenance tunnels and they find like this old nursery room uh from from old survivors it's it's this uh bunker and it's filled with books and toys so um but before they do that like they see the, the 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 child the children paintings on the wall and Sam wants to open up the door and Henry's just like yeah go ahead go for it <laughs> and then like I, I'm like fuck. Joel's like no like puts his hand over the kid's chest he's like no I'm going to open the- you t- you're going to take the word of a fedra soldier that it's been cleared out like the 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 chances are very high that as soon as Sam opens that door, he's getting eaten by a clicker. We don't know what's down there. Come on, I I thought that that was like a bad. It, it was. It just showed how naive uh, Henry was. And this is like right after they get down there, and Hen- er, and uh, yeah, Henry's like, "My plan worked," and Joel's like, "Can you chill?" Yeah, his voice like it's almost echoes. He says seconds. it so loud. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, dude, have a little bit of survival instinct here. What are you Especially doing? Especially because, of course, 
um, Casey Fedra has like just been overthrown, but there is no confirmation that someone else didn't know from inside Casey Fedra that the tunnels were cleared and wasn't already like living down there. Like it doesn't have, it's just like everything. It doesn't necessarily have to be infected. You don't know what's down there. Yeah. It could be someone with a gun that is loaded. Right. Yeah. It's just, it didn't, it's just, and they're not taking chances. It just, it was ridiculous to me that, uh, Henry was just going to let his younger brother open up that door. And it's like, dude, you do not know what's on the other side. Um, anyway, they get in, it's, it's a, it's a old survivor's bunker. It's filled with books and toys for kids and games and things like that. And it's even got, doesn't it? Yeah. They've got a, there's an issue of the Savage Starlight comic that they find. And, um, then they, uh, Ellie and, uh, um. Oh yeah, it Sam teaches Ellie how to say the catchphrase "endure and survive" from the from the uh, comic book. I thought it was just cute little bonding moments between them mm-hmm. as they're playing like soccer and stuff like that. And you know, she's hugging him, and I was just like, "Ah, oh, this is great." She's got a friend, and it's just like it's even worse to watch on the second one. You know? It's oh my like, god, yeah. so true. I, I mean, because we're finally getting to see Ellie kind of act her age. And act like a child because up to this point we've seen her having to behave much older than than her age to be able to get through and survive in this world. And now there's a there's somebody who's younger than her that she can kind of act as a caretaker towards and start to bond with. And in and, and against all odds, like his favorite comic is her favorite comic, and they get to bond over that as yeah. well. And it, it does make it far more tragic on a rewatch. Yeah, I love that, that the kid loves comics and, and Ellie likes them as well. Like the, the, earlier when uh, when uh, Henry drew like the, the mask on his face, like that's we kind of got oh, yeah, to make him brave. Before yeah. they had to leave their hideout. Yeah, oh, that moment was great. And then you get to see um, just in the filmmaking, the orange reflection over Henry's eyes in the glass oh i did see that yeah oh it's so good uh so um ellie and sam hanging out and being best friends is just extremely too sentimental for joel he's like let's go (laughs) enough yeah especially you get get kids being you you get you know kids being able to be kids in this awful world that they're in right now so even if it's for you know a few minutes and and you know, Anything that reminds him of his daughter, too. I'm sure it's got to like, yeah, it's got to oh, hurt yeah. a little He's bit. He's still right? walled off. He's still like, yeah, you know, that is he doesn't he does not want to to break open that armor um, at, at this point. It's <clears throat> excuse me. It's just too difficult. But, you know, you get in, in this whole and Joe, you'll add because you're playing the game, too. But in this whole <clears throat> you talk, I got something in my throat. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, were you going to bring up the the ish? Yeah. Okay. So there is a point where we see a drawing on the wall and it's with two people and one of them, his name is Ish. Well, in the, this is an Easter egg towards the game because when they go down in these tunnels, they find something really similar to this in the game. And the way that you learn backstory in the game is by picking up random notes and letters and stuff like that along the way. Um, scavenging for supplies is a huge part of this game. And along the way, you pick up other things that aren't necessarily supplies, but they kind of give more color to the whole story. And part of what you're picking up in this area is this story of Ish. And Ish was a like a trawler boat captain that was out to sea when the outbreak first happened. And so then he 
comes into shore. This whole part in the game is taking place in Pittsburgh, if I'm remembering correctly. And so he's able to to find a entrance into the tunnels that that's kind of near the sea. And so when he comes back and finds that the world's gone to shit, he's able to go underground and start a community there. And so this whole drawing with the stick figure drawing on the wall with named Ish is it's an Easter egg to the game that, that when they're going through the tunnels in this part of the game, they they kind of come through an area that's very much like this. Um, How cool is uh, that? Same thing, same thing with like the goal where they're, they're, you know, the soccer goal, that's identical to the game. So it's uh, that that's the, that's the smart things that they do. I know in the, I think in the post credit thing where, where they have the little after show for five minutes making of uh, I think Neil Druckmann talked about. I mean, you, we could have made a whole episode, of, you know, like a, a bottle episode about ish and all that. And they just they just felt that would just taken too much away from it. So they were, you know, kind of just paying homage to it with these different things in there. But like Joe said, yeah, you end up, you pick up notes and then you, you, you learn about how they were living and what was happening. And uh, it's, it's again, really nice Easter egg. That is, that's really cool. Especially for the, you know, yeah. For the video game fans, that's really cool. Yeah. I see. I would have known none of that. That's wild. I think it was a smart decision also to just include it as an Easter egg because the 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 story of Henry and Sam in this is is the real star of this episode of this two episode arc. It's all leading up to this. And I think it really would have muddied the waters if they'd have brought Isha's story into it as well. Yeah. Um, eh, Joel is talking with Henry and he's and he's. He's apologizing for the way that he reacted earlier um, when he found out that Henry was a collaborator. And he he he's like, I, I can understand maybe you did this to to protect Sam. And um, he also I he also realizes that it's f- kind of fucking crazy that Kathleen's going to send all of her men after mm-hmm. him and. You got to recognize how insane, how batshit crazy that really is, right? I mean, it's it's a young guy and his eight year old brother that she's. That's th- that no, is, he's he's not a security threat by any <laughs> means. It is purely a mission of vengeance. Yeah. Well, and Henry and Henry, when they're talking about it, when he's talking about Kathleen's brother, he, t- he says he's a he was a great man, which is the same thing Perry says later. Yeah, you know. And you then you see when when they talk to Kathleen later, you know, Perry and Kathleen in that room, just how opposite they are, you know, about, you know, somebody can somebody can be like in jail and say, you know, you need to forgive him. And but somebody's just lost, you know, for vengeance. Some people just can't let it go. And that and she's somebody who can't let it go. She Mm -hmm. revered her brother enough to do all of this. To, to pull a revolution, to chase down Henry, but not quite enough to like actually truly follow him in the spirit in which he was leading, and that's actually quite heartbreaking for me to think about Kathleen in that way. Oh, without a doubt, because had she just listened to her brother's advice, her and her people would be in a much better place. Oh, and they're not yeah. the, her mission of vengeance, her personal mission of vengeance led to the ruin of, I mean, everybody in 
in in Kansas City mm-hmm. from the looks of and it. It's... I know we're jumping ahead a little bit here with this, but that that mission of vengeance and and the fact that all these people will follow her led to their ruin, and that's that's another. Tra- I mean, this episode's just full of tragedies. I, I mean, I, I think like and hypocrisy. I think at one time, like Perry followed her because she was bringing about change and and no matter what the cost she was bringing about change but i i kept waiting for the moment where perry was going to be like no <laughs> and it never happened Mm-mm. he's a he's and a he soldier was not lying when he said we're with you yeah yeah, yeah. and the 100%. way that henry talked about casey fedra like good do a revolution fuck them like have some other type of power structure and it just goes just a little bit too far with Kathleen that she like when she's yelling at Henry later like do you really think that he's worth everything and it's like do you really think that Michael's memory which he disagrees with how you're honoring it you really think that's worth everything like how are you even asking this question look in a mirror she's uh, right 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 now she's like this is an eye for an eye because Mm -hmm. it was you know the reason that her brother's dad is because Sam had to live at whatever Mm -hmm. cost and that cost was her brother and you know giving it information to Fedra and at this point it's just like She's not. It's an eye for an eye. That's not a little boy anymore. This is this is a, a, a revenge quest that she's on. It's like it's like you want to just shake her and be like, it's not going to change anything. More more killing is not going to change anything. And you should you need to listen to your brother. You need to keep your brother's spirit alive. I don't know, man. It, yeah, it was it was hard watching Kathleen just just say shit like kids die every day and i'm just like oh my god to think like the position that henry was in where his brother's got leukemia and he's only got one way to save him and it's to do the one of the do something so villainous he calls himself a villain he's a bad he's a he did a bad thing but he did it to keep his brother alive how do you guys feel about that like do you think did he do the right thing I, it's I mean, it's I such think, an issue of perspective that you can impossible. tell that yeah well yeah and you can tell that even after the fact that Henry's still conflicted about it that he doesn't know if he did the right thing but he knows that he couldn't have done anything else because clearly he loves his brother more than anything it was his, the thing he could live with well and and also his brother was the thing that he couldn't live without mm-hmm. because what if he does oh. nothing and then Sam goes on and dies. Then he's going to live the rest of his life in regret and feeling guilt, thinking that I didn't do what I know I could have done to try and save him. But that thing that he could have done to save him is also the thing that's going to damn him and ultimately lead to everybody's ruin. So it's truly a no-win situation, and that's what makes it so tragic for this character is that he's presented with options to move forward, but neither option is a win. Well, if if Rebecca was on here, she would – it's the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many is what came into my head. And I'm not making it as a joke, but I'm just thinking about it because if, if I, again, it is an impossible choice. I, I mean, if, if I had the capabilities to save my son or a family member or something like that, you know, how far would you go for it? I mean, it's that, that's the whole, that's, 
things like that making you think about it. You this know? is because like a whole both, both sides are wrong and both sides are right. You can you can make arguments either way. Like if you were in debate class, you could yeah. make arguments on both sides. Let me put it to you this way: in real world history, it's like collaborating with Hitler to save one. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. it's and like to it's put them in like a secret attic. I mean, they're really. I think that they're purposefully invoking this question in our minds. Yeah, it's like yeah. And, and Sam and Sam isn't so. And if like if Sam was an adult. He could say no, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, no, but because Sam is a kid, mm-hmm. he can't, he, you know, he really can't make that. He's not emotionally, you know, developed enough to say, you know, hey, it's wrong in the long run because of this that, and that other thing. So it's it's just it's very it's just very interesting. Um, it's, it's this is the color they add that wasn't in the game. You know, this is. You know, in the game, you just, you know, that you meet up with them and it's the same thing. You're at gunpoint and you go on a quest and, you know, the, the end is the same. But all the other things that they've kind of peppered in here is what makes this special. I can see they, here, added, they I, added just the right amount of color to it to really bring it to life and make it more dramatic. Exactly. I can, I can sit here and say the right thing to do was to not work with Fedra. Like, that's the right thing yeah. to do. I can sit here and say that. But I mean, for me personally, I want to say that, too. But I've, you know, I've never been someone's primary. Caretaker. There you go. There you go. That's... I have no idea what that responsibility would be like. But if you're that person and you're not on the outside of the situation and if it was a loved one, I mean, you're going to do whatever you can to protect that person. It's a. I, I think I, I'm not envious of the decision that he had no. to make. I think that what I'm thinking about too is that Michael had his eyes open. He knew what Henry did. He forgave him. He told Kathleen to also forgive him. Mm-hmm. And I ultimately, Michael, we never meet him on screen, which is crazy that I feel like I know him so well, even though that's true. I feel like Michael probably knew that Kathleen was going to go through with the revolution. That's something that it seems like Michael wasn't able to do. So if she could have stopped short of vengeance, everybody would be in a better place. No more Fedra. Sam's alive. Henry's alive. The only person who's gone is Michael. And it seems like he would have been okay with it. Yeah. I kept kept thinking like, this would be like if uh, if somebody had like killed John Connor in Terminator. This is what Sarah would have done, you know. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I always think about Terminator guys. I apologize, um, but yeah, Kathleen is in her um, uh, her and Michael's childhood bedroom, and that's when she that's when she starts to talk about uh, growing up with Michael and and um, how. You know, he was able to, you know, forgive Henry and, and, and begged her to do the same. And and um, yeah, it's 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 it, this blind rage that she has going going for Henry. It's just all these people that were following her had to suffer the consequences. I feel like 
Perry, I don't know. Do you guys think that Perry should have stood up some, uh, stood up and said something? I don't, at this point, I don't know if it would have even done any good. She's got so many people that are fanatically following her because it, it's like, it's like all these people were initially brought into this revolution because of the sort of person that her brother was. And, and the way that she tells this story when they're, when she's in her old childhood bedroom and she's telling this story that when she was younger and she would be afraid of whether it was a storm or gunfire or anything, her brother was the one that calmed her down and brought her back to center and made her feel safe. And so you can imagine that her brother is doing this to all these people that are suffering under this incredibly like brutal and fascist regi- regime that is this Kansas City Fedra. And he is saying all the right words to make these feel people feel comfortable mm-hmm. and safe and and to let them know that, you know, no, this isn't right what these people are doing to us and to begin to foment this resistance. But he doesn't have the brutality in him to take it to the next step. It's a good balance. Between the it, two. it is. It's this balance where it's like these these people are hearing these comforting words and they're able to rally together, but it's nonviolent at this point. And then he dies. The balance is and gone. His, and his <laughs> very violent sister is able to just step in and fill that void. You know, this isn't a resistance that that she created and she fostered and nurtured because that's not in her. She was able to take this and weaponize it and take out Fedra. And then furthermore, take it to I mean, because even taking out Fedra was part of her own personal vengeance. These are the people who killed her brother. Yeah. For for all these other people, they're willing to jump in because these these Fedra soldiers have been brutalizing them all for years. And but then she's able to take that loyalty and that fanaticism that they all have and then further twist it to her own means. And it's more chilling that that she knows going into it. I know that I'm doing this in a way that would horrify my brother. He would be disgusted and horrified by my actions that I've taken, but that's not going to stop me at all because I'm going to fall. I'm going to do what's in my nature. And despite all of her sweet outward appearances, man, it is, it is a, a, a hardened, very brutal person that is, you know, on the inside. I don't think and that it, she could live with herself if she didn't do this. Like no, that's just the no, kind of person it, she is. Well, and that's what makes her and Henry such similar characters is that they're presented with these no win situations and they're still just going to follow their own nature and take it to its natural end. And, yeah. and it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's not good for anybody involved in both scenarios. At, you know, like at the in the last episode when when uh, Joel and Ellie were first driving into Kansas City and we see, you know, unbeknownst to them, we see like the burnt bodies I mean, we found out in this episode that it's like it's like a mixture of Fedra soldiers and collaborators. I just thought it was Fedra soldiers. Like, no, it's like she she's she's been killing collaborators as well. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, So Joel, Ellie, Henry and Sam uh, get out of the tunnels and um, Henry is like, my plan worked. Tunnels were clear. There's nobody out here. My plan worked. And um, this is when uh, they they kind of all agree that uh, – well, Ellie is wanting to <laughs> – Ellie is wanting to uh, um, have them join them on their, on their way to Wyoming. And um, 
I love the look that Joel gives her yeah. when yeah. he says that. Like she's like he's almost like, "How dare you tell him where we're going?" And he's like, "No, nah, maybe it'd be best if we just kind of like you know, once we get out of this, we just kind of like part ways." And she's like, "No, you know, I yeah, I know how to get my way with him. I just ask him a million million times or whatever." <laughs> and then we start hearing this gunfire uh, from a sniper who's shooting at them, and. Um, Joel gets them. They all get behind like a vehicle. And then Joel is running off to this house where we know that the sniper is at. And uh, Joel gets inside, finds an old man. And he's like, he comes up behind him and he's got a gun at him. And he says, you know, you know, put down the gun and uh, give, you know, give me the gun wait, wait and then wait, an wait here for an hour. Like, don't do this. You don't have to do this. And, um, the man yeah, he he just he man he goes please don't do it and yeah he, and he pauses and he's and again and he goes please yeah uh, oh the emotion that Pedro Pascal delivered oh those my lines god in, it was it was yeah. astounding I I absolutely believed it that he was seeing the scenario for what it was saying I have the drop on you if you move you're going to be dead and I really really don't want another body on my list we don't have to do this. And the way that they shot all this, where you see the gun just kind of like swivel a little bit and then they cut away. And then when we hear the gunshot, it's like, yeah, we, he went for it and Joel did what he had to do. The thing that he did not want to do, the thing that he begged the guy not to do. And, and also then, seeing it from, from Ellie and Sam and Henry's perspective where, you know, it, it cuts away and we don't hear, we don't see Joel shoot that guy, but from the outside, we hear it. And it's a yeah, very are. different sound. You know, this isn't the sound of a hunting rifle. This is the sound of a small caliber pistol yeah. doing it. And so just, you know, audibly, you you know that, oh, this is a different gunshot. This is Joel killing this guy. Mm -hmm. um, the guy was basically just trying to keep them pinned down because he knew that Kathleen and her soldiers were on their way. Joel hears this over the walkie-talkie. Uh, Kathleen's asking for Anthony, and I kept thinking, that guy did not look like an Anthony to me. That's all I could think about. This is the spot in the game where I died the most, where you act – because it's the same thing. There's a house at the end, end of the street, like the exactly same, yeah. and you have to make your way over, but there's also other, other goons that are – but you're trying to make your way over into the house up there to get him. I mean, I can't. T I just again, I played it a couple days ago. Yeah, I, it must have been twelve times I died because I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's so it, it's 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 so fun experiencing this and then watching it how they how they put it on TV. Um, it, and then it, it even go. I'll talk about more. It even goes into more as, as the next scene comes up. My God, this was exciting. Like, Joel is yelling at them to run, but he, they can't hear him over the, like, the uh, armored vehicles driving up on him. And, and Joel starts using the sniper rifle to try to kill the driver of like this huge, massive, like truck. It's almost it's like a snowplow. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Joel, Joel, as he's sniping throughout this this episode, I just kept thinking of Barry Pepper in um, in uh, what's the, the Saving Private Ryan, like the sniper. 
Oh and, yeah, and, yeah. Doesn't he say like Bible verses? As yeah, shooting? yeah. I love. Oh, that's Barry Pepper's best role to date. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he was an incredible character in that. And um, it was uh, it was incredible. It was uh, Joel hits the driver. That driver, the, the the truck goes flying into a house, which then blows up. Start it bursts into flames, and um, Kathleen shows up. And she's telling, you know, Henry to, to surrender. And, um, Henry then basically says, you know, when you can, Ellie take Sam and run. And, um, this is when we get like the encounter between Henry and Kathleen. And she's saying things like, you know, kids die every day. And was it worth it? Oh my God. Yeah. I, I, as all this is going on, not playing the game and not knowing how it was going to end here, I kept thinking, how are they How are they going to get out of this? How? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, well, just the sheer amount of, of guys that Kathleen showed up with as well. It was yeah. just such an overwhelming force. It was like, did you turn out every single person uh-huh. that, that is following you? I mean, this is quite a crowd of people. Uh-huh. That are here all to just find one guy in his younger brother. Yeah, I was like, you know, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking like, this is going to be the death of Henry. Like, if, if Sam and Ellie and Joel get out of this alive, like, okay. But there's no way, like, Henry's going to die here. Like, this is, I, I, I didn't see coming what actually was to come. Like, <laughs> no. Right? No, not at all. I mean, because it was as tense as it can get with that confrontation between Henry and Kathleen. And she's got the drop on him. All of her guys are right there. Joel can't do anything to help. They know that he's up there and she's pointing a gun at him. And then all of a sudden that truck starts shifting and it's dropping down into the ground. And then you see immediately Kathleen sees that that truck is dropping truck is dropping out into the ground. And she looks worried because. In that last episode, she knew that there's something going on underground. Yeah, and these things, like, something's going on underground. And not only that, like, these things react to noises, right? And vibrations. And, like, there's patches that you can step on and, like, a group can feel it miles away, right? So it's like, if they're hearing this noise, like, they're making a beeline to wherever what the fuck's going on, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and this truck just crashed into this house, exploded. Yeah. They're hearing all these vehicles and running around feet and stuff up on the ground. Yeah. For sure that they know they're there. And man, as soon as that hole opens up, it isn't like this isn't like the slow zombie thing where you see these things slowly shamble up out of the ground. I mean, these things. It's like a swarm of insects. Yeah, they just come pouring out of the ground, immediately sprinting. And like it was, I mean, it went from tense to horrifying and terrifying and then flames behind them it's just oh yeah the whole the way that the whole thing was lit it was very dramatic well even before okay even before this i just want to point out like kathleen henry's like hey i surrender let them let the kids go she's kathleen will not do it she will not have any of that she's like everyone's gonna die Oh my yeah. God! She's man. like, oh no, I can't let them go. Uh, uh-uh. they know, killed she, Brian. She, she's with the guy who killed Brian. Yeah, and, you know, Sam's with you. Oh wow. Uh huh. This is what happens when you fuck with fate. She said. Oh, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because in her eyes, Sam should have just died all along. And now it's just, you know, no, it, all you did was delay the inevitable because and I'm going did, to kill him. And she she did the uh, she did the uh, Kevin Costner, Pa Kent. You know, maybe he was supposed to die in line. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we've got, we've got, we've got infected. We've got clickers swarming out of the hole. And it's like, then you just start seeing her men just start popping off shots using their machine guns. And it's like, it's not stopping them. Like these things are like covered in armor. And then we get our look at that bloater and the bloater is just huge, massive. Like this is like, um, just like, just like a, it looks like a giant. I kept thinking like when they picked that guy up and slammed him, I was like, what am I going with? It's clobbering time or Hulk smash? Like this guy <laughs> is well, bloater's like, huge. And, 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 and the other, and the other thing that they did when, when the bloater ripped Perry yes. his head apart and all that, that's, that's what happens in the game. If you fail the scene with the bloater, they grab, <laughs> yeah. grab Joel, it basically, basically rips his jaw and head open, just pulls you apart. I'm like, I'm like that. What is it? That Leo DiCaprio meme pointing. I'm like, ah, I see that. I know what that is. <laughs> That's what happens when they catch you. <laughs> yes. Oh but the, really the, the only difference was in the game, they throw these grenades that release spores yeah. everywhere. But otherwise it is like Billy said last week, they're a bullet sponge and they, they're very, very, very hard to kill. Very powerful. And you don't see very many of them in the game. It's like the fourth class of infected. This is what's beyond a clicker. Somebody that's been infected for like 10 plus years. What's scarier, the bloater or the child contortionist clicker oh that was God. in the car with Ellie? Zombie yeah, definitely move like that. You can, And that's I, what I love about this when they were in, in, in the after show thing. So like the, the vehicle crash explosion and the horde coming out and all that, that's, that was all practical. The, 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 the truck going in sinking down was, was VFX. But, yeah. And, and, you know, they have a, this, they have a guy who's a movement specialist and all that uh, about how these, the, the, they move and the different class of them move because it, it could be, it could have looked really cheesy yeah. when you try and make a horde CGI, you know? And w the way they did this was, like Joe said, it was just it it was just horrifyingly good to watch this. Just it, it, and then and then that that the that child clicker is it was like, I think it's, they said she's a she was a dancer like a ballet dancer or something because the way she did the snake like moves and rolls over the seats was like it gave me like just chills up my spine watching that i just kept thinking of Catherine zeta jones in that one sean connery movie where she you entrapment. know entrapment yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the way she was just like the scene with the lasers i love it yes the laser scene yeah that's like the most that's the only thing i remember from that movie joe is that same scene. yeah <laughs> and it was in the trailer too yes exactly <laughs> but yeah that that little girl clicker was played by sky cowton and absolutely terrifying the yeah. way that that girl can move and just putting a little bit of makeup and prosthetic on her. And all of a sudden it is, I think maybe a Hello Kitty t-shirt. It's absolute nightmare feel. It was the scariest. It was to me, it was far scarier than the bloater. I'm because telling the bloater you. The bloater is like this thing that's big and powerful and it can tear you apart. 
But seeing a, a little girl clicker that can move like that, yeah. no, fuck that. That's far scarier. I'm telling you, Orlando, Hollywood Horror Nights, they need to hire her for The Last of Us Haunted House. And my, I'm going, if that is the case. Like, <laughs> Dude, oh, my, oh God. my God. I couldn't imagine seeing that in real life. I would freak out, Joe. <laughs> oh, same, same. Like, I'd probably void my bowels. Like, it would just be involuntary. <laughs> I've never had a case of, like, in a haunted house, I've never had a case of fight or flight. And I think I would in this case. Like, I'm either punching that child or I'm running. <laughs> That's got to be the first time you've ever said that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> out- punching that child or I'm running. <laughs> first time I've said it out loud, Joe. Um- <laughs> but another thing, but another thing like Joe and Joe, you'll add to this too. But when you're in the game, it's the same thing. You're, you're picking off Horde as they're trying to get you know you're you know henry sam and ellie so you're you know you're shooting and then you're having to reload and then they're getting closer and and they're coming from another direction so it's very cool how they also did that uh, with that scene yeah you've got joel you've got joel trying to pick off the the clickers and and help he's oh my god when he the look on his face when he sees that one clicker entering the vehicle with Ellie, Ugh. like there's a look on his face like, oh, God, you know, it's like he's mm-hmm. he cares for her. And you can see it clearly mm-hmm. here. Like, yeah, that look said a lot. Um, but it, it, it just just oh, so much going on here. But the action was easy to follow. Um, and just the I, I really appreciate the fact that they have somebody doing like um the choreography for these clickers and for the bloaters and stuff like that that's that's one thing that the the walking dead was really good about with like trying to get people to get like the movements and stuff like that and i think they've kind of like taken it to the next level with this cuz you're not going to get this kind of stuff in the walking dead this is i've i've never seen a contortionist zombie and this this like took the, <laughs> You know, like there, there's certain things that like in horror movies, like the way things move, um, you know, like I remember, like I remember watching like um, the what was it? The the director's cut of The Exorcist where it's like walking down this where she's like walking down the stairs and how she would move and watching movies like The Ring with the girl coming out of the well and shit like that. Just like movements can be fucking scary. And if it's a child yeah, it, clicker moving like that, Joe, it's even scarier. There's something yeah. creepy about kids, man. Well, there, there's a normal range of human movement that we're used to seeing. And when things don't move in that normal way, it, it immediately becomes freaky. I yeah. mean, that's one of the – to me, that's one of the scariest things about snakes or spiders is the way that they move is so foreign mm. to the way that humans move. And so when you take a, a human form and make it move in a different way, it gets so scary. Um, well, oh, one dude, of the other Joe, Easter, did you ever, Oh, go ahead. Did you ever see that? I'm sorry, that National Geographic with like snakes, like chasing something like uh, up a sandy hill or something like that. It, it was it is. And there are multiple snakes And my my wife hates snakes. And this. this oh, is that scene, that thing where there's like some little furry creature that's like yes. running across this sandy, rocky ground? And it's yes. like fucking snakes pouring out everywhere, chasing oh, after God. this thing. And it's just running for. Yeah, that's a horrifying video. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you for putting that in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the Easter eggs I wanted to point out here is that we see Ellie take out two clickers herself. Yes. And she does them both by stabbing them in the neck. Yeah. And in the game, 
That's the only way you can kill a clicker with a hand-to-hand weapon. If you go up and you – because the in the game, there's lots of sneaking around. It's so much fun that you crouch down, you creep up behind these things, and then you can just jump up and wrap an, a forearm around their neck. And if it's like a human or, or a runner or something like that, you can choke them out. But if it's a clicker, the only way you can kill them is if you have a shiv equipped. And you mm. stab that fucking thing right in the neck. And to see Ellie do that twice, I was like, oh, my God, that's the only way you can take him out in the game, too. It's so perfect. Yeah, she she shows up and saves Sam and, yeah. and Henry right there, right? Well, and she looks at Joel and she's like, I'm going to do this. And he's like, great, I'm going to cover you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that little sh- that that just uh, that look that passed between them where it said a lot. Mm hmm. And so the three of them are running towards the house to meet up with Joel. And this is where Kathleen yells at them and stops them at gunpoint. And um, I mean, sucks to suck, loser. Oh, my God. You want to watch? Okay, so (laughs) the child contortionist clicker from before (laughs) shows up here. And I, oh my gosh, what a brutal death. Like, we saw Perry get his head ripped off, but this was just like, she pounces on her and just starts to, like, punch her at, like, like, triple speed here. It was insane. Yeah, she went, like, full air clicker. Like, she's coming in from the fucking free throw line. (laughs) You know, she's going for it. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh, I thought it was brutal, but... um, I was uh, I've never rooted for a clicker so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. It's wonderful to see a despicable character get their comeuppance. Yeah. It, well, especially someone who says, you know, kids die all the time. Right. Killed by and then gets killed yeah. by the child. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, incredible. So, yeah, uh, one of the uh, I mean, uh, um, if you're looking for action, this show can deliver <laughs> like that. That was that was incredible. That was awesome. That was so cool. I everything just was shot so well. Just a great action sequence. I love seeing Sniper Joel. I love seeing um, Ellie stabbing. I love seeing the diff- the bloater, the, the all the different clickers, the little contortionist girl. It was just so much going on, but it was just so incredibly shot and just like a great action sequence. I love great action sequences, and this episode delivered on that front. Um, the group, Ellie, Joel, Sam, and, and Henry, are um, in a in a motel room, and um, the was it Ellie and Sam are reading that comic book, and and they're they're and they have that joke about the endurance survive motto, how it's redundant and. Uh, um, Joel is at this point now he's telling Sam like, Hey, you know, you're free to join us in Wyoming. And Henry thinks that's a great idea. And, um, Sam tells, he doesn't even hesitate. Right. Yeah. Yes, I love that. He's immediately receptive. He's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, they're a unit at this point because, you know, Ellie risked her life to save them. There were moments in there where, where Henry had ran out from undercover and saved Ellie. So, I mean, they, they, they are like a, the, the trust is there with this group now. Yeah. I loved it, man. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm already looking forward to like, you know, the next episode. I'm like, yeah, okay. We've got our, we've got our group of four. So, 
Um, Henry end tells of episode bye. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Can we end it there? <laughs> if only if only yeah yeah henry tells sam to go to bed and and uh ellie uh you know doesn't let sam to go to bed they're they're reading comic books and then sam stops ellie and uh he writes on his magic slate if she asks ellie if she's ever scared and she says all the time and then she says of scorpions and i was just even i was kind of annoyed with her in that moment i was like come on <laughs> <laughs> jesus <laughs> um and then she she said she she was she admitted that she's scared of of ending up alone and um sam then asked if if people are still alive inside if when they're infected and then shows that he lifts up his pant leg and, and shows her that he was bitten. Um, I want to know what you guys' thoughts are on this. Do you think that Ellie Ellie shows Sam her bite and she she claims that her blood's medicine here and then cut, uh, makes a cut on her hand and then rubs her blood on his wound and says, like, this, this will cure you. And then says, Look, I'm going to stay up with you all night. Do you guys think that Ellie believed that? I, I do. I think I she do. was throwing a Hail Mary in that moment. She was saying that, well, I know I've survived this. I haven't tried this before. Mm-hmm. I care about this person. I, I feel like I'm in a position where I'm a caretaker of this person. I'm going to try this and try and take care of him. And she believed it with all her might, but it belief wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree, I agree because I, I think if she was just doing that to you know maybe you know make him feel better, she still would have went in and the other room, talked to Henry, and said, you know, how dire it is it, because so they could have whatever time left. Yeah. Because yeah, they 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 didn't have you don't have any any closure. It's just. So I don't know. It was just, it was, it was just so. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. Let me. Okay. So she wakes up and she sees Sam sitting up on the bed, looking at the wall or looking at the window or the wall or whatever. And he's been infected. He's he's turned. But I kept thinking, like, why didn't he like ever turn around and and attack her? And I was like, it doesn't, he's still deaf. Right. Oh, you're exactly right. Right? I mean, in, in the, in the game, well, no, the runners, runners can hear you. The, uh, the click, the clickers, you can, Joe, which one is, there's, there's, isn't there, the, the there's runners some can, that you can see you. Can, clickers can see you. Clickers, clickers can't see you. The clicker will only see you if you're literally right in front of them. Right, but, but yeah, otherwise, but yeah, so as you long can move as you're, around. as yeah. long as you're creeping and you're doing it slowly, a clicker is not going to hear you. Um, so it is possible that you know, since he doesn't have his hearing, and he woke up and was just facing that way, maybe he just didn't even realize it. And we've also seen before in in the first part of infections, it seems like people are somewhat confused. So yeah, well, it, it was probably well, you know, still also, early enough. Yeah, well, also in the game when you see there's there's different uh, 
characters with that with they're infected where they're just they're just, just they're just kind of staying in place. Yeah. And they're yep. not they're not moving anywhere. Yeah, and I thought I kept thinking to myself when I saw this I was like if he was turned the other way, he would have attacked her already. But since he turned facing the other direction and couldn't hear her sleeping throughout the night or making any noise, that he just stayed in that position until she came up to him and made her yeah, presence known. That's what I was thinking too. Okay. Is that otherwise, you know, if he'd have been if he'd have been sleeping on his left side, <laughs> she'd have woken up to that like really shitty clicker alarm clock getting bit in the shoulder or something awake. Melissa, did you know he was infected? Like, like as soon as she wakes up and you see him staring at that wall, did you like have like this, like this sinking feeling like, oh my God. I knew. Yes, because I knew that that's, it wasn't going to be so easy. Right. I mean, this, I knew that the show was not going to give us such an easy win with Ellie being able to save him with just her blood. Yeah. Just like, you I know, mean, cause like anybody that they come across, like if Joel gets bit, she could just like rub her blood yeah. on it and like, it's an easy kind of fix. So, and it was just, I, and like, the show isn't pulling any punches. They've done a lot of really difficult, you know, they've achieved a lot of really difficult storytelling feats. Um, it was not, this was not a hard heartbreak for them to serve us. Ellie believes in this thing. She really wants it to work. It was so easy for it to not work and for us to be heartbroken. Mm. And, and that's what they did. I mean, we don't even have, I mean, there's really no, I, <laughs> We don't even get at first. There's like no moment for us as an audience to even grieve because it's like it just it springs into action. He's attacking Ellie. We're worried about that attack. And then we see that Joel and Henry see see that that Sam is attacking Ellie. And then Joel goes for his gun. Henry gets it instead. And. Mm -hmm. is telling him like stay away and then fires a shot mm -hmm. at Joel <laughs> and this is where it's it's i kept thinking like should he have let should he have let Joel kill him i just it, this seems like one of those things where it's like it could not have been any other way um it was just too fast yeah it, i don't think if someone who's never used a gun himself, or, or shot somebody someone else would have shot him but he still knew what had to be done i think that he ultimately did it without i he, i mean he did all of this without thinking but the fact is that henry's only only care in the world was taking care of sam and like in this moment this is what you had to do for sam because that's not sam anymore mm -hmm. yeah yeah when when henry Henry kills Sam. I was just like, oh, my God. And then the realization that he what he did. And, you know, like you, you can sit back and you can think like, no, he that wasn't Sam. You didn't kill Sam. Yeah, he wasn't, it wasn't Sam anymore. But that's not what he's thinking. He it, regardless, he's like he's just thinking like Sam's gone. Well, and, and also it's like, you know. 20 seconds before he was sound asleep. Yeah. And when he yes. went to sleep, he was thinking in the morning, I'm going to give Sam this great news. Yeah. You know, we're with, we're with these other people. Now we've, we're, we're starting to build this new tribe. There's this guy that's with us. That's super strong and can protect us. And, and instead he, 
he wakes up to the the most horrifying thing that he can imagine. You know, mm-hmm. his brother's not there anymore. And now he's in a position where it's all confusion, mm-hmm. where where he's he's trying to keep Joel away. And it's and also to me, it's like when he fires that gun, I almost wonder if he was firing it towards Sam as like a warning shot the way that he was firing at Joel's, at Joel's feet as a warning shot. But, you know, that bullet found its way there. And and when the magnitude of what really happened hit him and he still had that gun in his hand. You know, it went from confusion to grief mm-hmm. and it was too much for him. And I love the way they filmed that also, that they don't show us the shot. We hear the shot and just see it from Joel and Ellie's point of view instead. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, well, the look on. Also, just the way he just again, I've, uh, you know, the acting job that he did with just saying, what did I do was unbelievable i mean the first the first time i the first time i saw that i i was just i, I was crying i was a mess i i mean i had my hand on my face and again like i said i have not been affected by something like this in a long time mm-hmm. and i again i know what happened in the game you know ellie didn't know that he was infected and you know it it, it happens you know kind of similar uh but the the with everything else they added you know, through the whole show about this, it just made it even more just awful. You just know and just knowing what he had to do and what he did. And then, you know, the realization of that and just brilliant, brilliant, everything all the way around, writing, everything, directing, acting by everyone. Everyone we, in the scene. We only got to know these characters for the one episode, Joe. I mean, it's yeah. – and same thing with the Bill and Frank episode. It's – but it these episodes leave you uh, just heartbroken. How many um, times do you get in that invested in two, two separate episodes with characters that are barely in the entire right. series? Yeah. That's just that's, – that's just incredible writing. It is. And yes. acting and everything. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. That, that's why this kid. This that's why this episode has a nine point six on IMDb, which is yeah. again unheard of. Yeah, that's just it doesn't happen. No. Yeah, um, yeah, and so we say goodbye to two characters that I was like, you know, I had no idea. So sorry, my cat is trying to crawl. Okay, there you go, buddy. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. I've got, <laughs> I've got a cat moving like a clicker trying to. Like that contortionist clicker trying to step on my mixer. I just now when you just said that, I had my dog get up and he can't hear anything and he's looking around like he's. <laughs> what are you doing? Over here. <laughs> uh, I, I I forgot what I was even talking about. Um, okay, so yeah, there he is. Hey, buddy. Um, Joel and uh, is uh, Joel is now burying the bodies of uh, Sam and Henry outside of the motel. And um, it, and you know he's doing this purely for Ellie's sake. Mm-hmm. That you know he's at this point twenty years into the outbreak, he's seen so much death that I I think were it not for Ellie's sake, he they would have just left. These bodies would have just been left in this hotel room, and it had just been one of a million tragedies that he's seen at this point in his life. And this is where uh, Ellie. Leaves the the magic slate on the grave of uh, Sam 
and she's written down, I'm sorry, and then Joel sees it. And um, Ellie waves him on, says, come on, we got to go west. And we got to go. We got to go. She just wants, I think she just wants to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I have no idea where the series, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of the scenes for like the next episode. I have no idea what we're doing next week. You got, you guys can spoil me if you watched uh, the preview for the next one. <laughs> it, it looks like he's finally going to, it looks like they're finally going to get to Wyoming. In the uh, next episode, really, we're getting to Wyoming it, in the next one. Yeah, it, it showed it showed him finding Tommy in in the the scenes from next week's episode. Oh wow! You know, one thing that we kind of we kind of hit on it last week, but I didn't really, I don't think we dove into it too much. We kept we we talked a little bit last week about how like they're Joel and Ellie are good together because you know Ellie sees the humanity in people and 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 the hope. And Joel doesn't see the hope, but he's and he's 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 a little bit darker now and more and more jaded. And I wonder throughout this series if we're going to see a flip. And Joel's going to be more of like. I I could be crazy here, but Joel's going to be more hopeful and she's going to turn more violent. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Like like like, you know. Right now, we've yeah, it's it. Joel's the more violent one, and 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 she's the more hopeful. And I just wonder if, like, throughout the series, if we're going to see this kind of just like swap. I, don't I mean, know. they're going to feed off of each other this whole time, and that could go too far, you mm. know, for both of them. Yeah. It's like that thing where people always say that you'll, well, people tell me this, I guess, personally, I don't know if this is universal, but people always tell me that I'll get like more conservative as I get older. And like, that could be Ellie. And now that Joel has spent time with this like young person, he's like getting more hopeful. He's like starting to see like some hope for humanity. But as she gets older and she keeps having to live in this world, she's like, no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, like it's gonna like uh, that childhood optimism is gonna just this world is just gonna crush that, right? Yeah, and well, and this could be a real inciting incident into that too. This is somebody that that is new into her life that she let herself get very close to that she made a promise to that she was going to be able to make better, and it did not go better. And so, is this the start of of her starting to lose that optimism? And as Joel gets closer and closer to her, does he start to gain that optimism back? Like, but then also I, I feel like there's got to be a part of it where Joel has got to be worried as well, where he starts to feel himself get close to an, a, another child. But knowing what happened to his own child in this world and what he's seen to happen probably to countless other children, it, it just makes for very, very interesting character development along the way yeah. with lots of potential for these these characters to drastically change their attitudes, but for it to happen under very believable circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm, that's where I'm wondering, is this, is it nine episodes? Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I'm very interested to see where they are at the end of the ninth episode, because there's, I mean, they could, they could do, they could do the, the entire first game, you know, up through at the end of, of not, in the next four episodes. 
Uh, but you know, they've thrown some curveballs and, and, uh, we'll see, but there's, there's, there's a lot of really, really good stuff from the game that I know, you know, of course, based on what the previous for next week, the next big scene. And after that, there's a, you know, a winter. So there's some, there's some really great stuff in the game that I'm really looking forward to seeing in the show. But I, I just, I'm just, I'm just debating whether they go full end of the game at the end of episode nine or make cliffhanger it. I want to so. say that I heard that they're going to finish like the first game in this first season, I, but I, I can't quote that. Joe, do you, have yeah. you, have you seen? No, that that's what it, I, I feel like I've heard the showrunners say that. Yeah. That yeah. they're saying that the first season is the first game. Yeah. Second season is going to be the second game. Right. Yeah. Um, couple of well yeah i guess i got a couple articles here that i I do want to read but i guess final thoughts on the episode itself just another incredible episode of television i mean this show (laughs) this show is fucking amazing the the fact that each season it's managed to come back and and in a way outdo itself Mm -hmm. from what it did before and uh, i mean to have this many high points in in i mean we're only five episodes in and there's so many high points in this and also so much lost i mean with 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 the first episode the first half hour you meet sarah you get attached to sarah you see sarah die and you feel that death and then episode three comes along and they do it all over again with two new characters episode five comes along they do it all again with two new characters and the fact that this show is able to just keep doing this again and again it is testimony to the the strength of the 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 source material they're adapting the strength of the writing and the strength of the actors and i and also with the fact that the showrunners are 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 willing to just roll with the source material when acceptable and only change it in ways that will elevate it. And man, they are just on a fucking roll with this show. And I, I don't know, but part of me, the, the cynical part of my mind wonders, okay, when are we going to hit the drop? Is it going to happen? But I, I feel like five episodes in, they've built up enough goodwill that, that I I'm trusting in them. I'm trusting that they're going to land this in a very satisfactory way and give us a good season of television and ultimately end up giving us a good series of television. Now where, where it might go after the second season, if they do contain the second season to just the storyline of the second game, where it'll go after that, when they're striking out on their own, who knows? But for right now, these people are fucking excellent in adapting source material and giving us prestige television. Yeah. When you said death of Sarah, did you mean Tess? No, uh, Sarah. Wasn't his daughter? Oh, daughter. Sarah? Daughter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and yeah, the, epi- the death of Tess also in the second episode was both heartbreaking and badass. Yeah. And fucking horrifying. That kiss from the clicker is still fucking, or not the clicker, but that kiss from that runner still haunts me. Yeah. Oh, did it, the, uh, I, the, the actress who played Tess in the game she, she just passed away in the last week or so i saw that yeah yeah she i loved her in in uh it was a timeless she's been in star trek and she was in picard last season Ugh. uh just a great great a cancer fuck cancer and she was only in her 40s correct yeah yeah it's terrible annie Wershing. Yeah. Um, oh, and the the the, the uh, actor that plays Tess, I didn't realize that that was the same actor from uh, Mindhunters. 
Yeah, for, yeah Fringe, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea. Um, but, um, yeah, any other final thoughts? I've got a couple articles that I want to kind of go over that were related to this episode that I thought were kind of cool. I think this is this is a great ep- – this episode can kind of give everyone, maybe who, who hasn't watched the show yet, like – You've got the emotional stuff and the storyline stuff, and then you've got action stuff. I think there's something for everyone, like a husband oh, yeah. and wife who, you know, he wants the action and she wants the other stuff. This is kind of the perfect episode uh, th- that people can watch. I think that's why it's got such high marks. I don't. Do you have the what the what the ratings were? I didn't find that out. I don't know if somebody wants to look that up. I'm not sure. Yeah, because it was the Friday drop. Yeah. So. Oh, man. It's like, yeah, guess what? We get to rip your hearts out five days later. Jesus Christ. After the after episode four, Um, I got an article here from Dark Horizons. uh, The Last of Us team talk the bloater. And it says uh, we've had the runners since the first episode and the clickers in the second. But the just aired fifth episode of the HBO's The Last of Us finally introduced the bloater in live action form with the series having skipped over two previous in-game appearances. Uh, Bill's Town and Pittsburgh Hotel by this biggest of the first game's fungal baddies. They made sure to include one in the new episode, which offers an adaptation of the suburbs portion of the game. Four-time Emmy winner Barry Gower, the master behind the likes of Vecna on Stranger Things and the Night King on Game of Thrones created the bloater in its live action debut, which was a combination of of a six foot six UK stuntman wearing a bulky practical suit and touched up with some CGI. Speaking with Variety, Gower says they cast the bloater out of foam rubber and foam latex with the entire suit coming in at 88 pounds. Uh, they, they then added slimy lubricant to make the fungus pieces stand out more at nighttime. Uh, added to the scene were 10 to 15 stunt performers dressed in clicker costumes and 40 to 60 extras as runners. In all, it reportedly took a team of 65 prosthetic artists five hours to finish all the makeup for the sequence. The two main clicker actors from the second episode returned for this one, which they saw them each sporting two different costumes for the close-up scenes, along with extensive makeup effects. They were joined by a nine-year-old gymnast and contortionist who played the young clicker in the car and final attack scene. Uh, the other clickers were stunt performers in simpler pullover masks, which had eye socket areas, which were like little plugs that we could put in any, put in for any close-ups, but remove for any mid to wide shots, said Gower. At 59 minutes, this is one of the longer episodes in the show's run, only behind the season premiere. The third episode and tied with Next week's sixth episode. Uh, so, yeah, they get into a little bit of the next episode and what's going to be happening then. Um, I Yeah, just the, the amount of practical effects, the amount of actors, the amount of makeup, the time it took. And a lot of care went into that episode and that scene in particular. Um, and then this article... Sorry, now I got a cat playing with plastic on the episode. This is fantastic. <laughs> Let me pause here and take away the plastic one moment. I'll be right. This is I yeah, I feel like Joel telling Ellie to be quiet, you know, and uh yeah, I got to tell my cat to knock it off. Hold on. All right. So, uh I, yeah. <laughs> Cats. Um I've got another article here from comicbook.com and this one 
was titled The Last of Us Bloater Kill Was Almost Even Nastier. And it goes on to say the bloater quickly barrels after Perry, um, eventually ripping the gunman's head from his body before tossing it aside. As The Last of Us showrunner Craig Mazin recalls, the bloater was initially going to rip Perry in half. Uh, <laughs> yes. Quote, that was something where I was overly ambitious. So I had this thing where I wanted to pick Perry up, Perry up a rip in half at, and rip him in, in half at the waist. Mason said on the latest episode of the last of us podcast, Neil was like, well, okay. I mean, is that going to be realistic? And I'm like, I think so. And then like the more Weta effects tried to do, the more you realize that people don't rip along the waist it's really hard to do. Um, still, Mazin <laughs> tried to get the disturbing kill in there, though he eventually ceded to Druckmann's judgment. It got close. It came close. But ultimately, Neil prevailed and was correct in suggesting that something felt more grounded and, and uh, anatomically would be more effective. Um, and then, of course, we were like, well, the bloater has this head rip that is iconic. It's great. And it's terrifying. So, yeah, he was about to rip him in half <laughs> from the waist. <laughs> hey, it worked in Deadpool, too. But I think it's just because Juggernaut was so huge. I don't think the yeah, bloater be was huge. quite big enough to, yeah. to, to make it work. When, yeah. when he said it just anatomically didn't work out, I, I, I could see that. Because yeah. the bloater was big, but it wasn't big enough to like pick up a grown man and and tear him in half like that whereas like the head rip off that looked totally believable the way they shot it how it was just far enough away to where you could totally see what was going on but not so close that you could pick it apart as you know clearly a, a a cgi creation i think they made the right choice i did too i did too i thought it looked really cool and just i don't know man perry god he 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 knew he was going out. He knew it was it, but he was doing it to protect Kathleen and gave her enough time. He gave her time to get out of there. And what she still held belt down vengeance. And then it, oh my God, Kathleen, Jesus, you made some terrible decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I know her people I mean, were protecting point, her. I mean, at this point, it's hard to feel bad for her. Oh, sorry, Joe. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, at, at this point, her, her people were protecting her. Perry was like, you know, you get out of here. And so she could have maybe lived. I mean, yeah. who knows what sort of existence she could have scrapped out after that. Right. But, you know, she had the opportunity to get away. And instead, she went back to pursuing vengeance. And it just led to her downfall. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic episode. I cannot wait for next week. Now we like we've had to wait. Now we're going to have to wait like the nine days. You know what I mean? For the next episode. So by the time we get the next episode, we have waited. uh nearly a week and a half for it, but I'm ready for it. And, uh, yeah, I want to thank, uh, you guys for joining us. Billy, uh, will be back hopefully next week. Uh, but I want to thank, uh, Mr. Joe Vitale of the vintage geeks podcast this week for joining us, uh, to discuss endure, survive, uh, endure and survive Joe, the vintage geeks, man, tell us about it. And where can people find you? We are, we're podcasts are sold everywhere. Um, but yeah, we do a, 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 in honor of your podcast, we do a pop culture uh, podcast, you know, talk about Marvel DC. Uh, we do it about once a month, uh, when our schedules align and we're really looking forward to discussing, uh, especially the flash trailer, indie trailer coming up here very soon. So find us. 
Yeah, I'll definitely be listening to your Flash trailer. Oh, my, oh my gosh. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Team. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So good. Oh, it's so weird to to be positive about it. But but yeah. like you posted on Prime on, on your site, it's people before people after. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's you know, I'm not I'm not I'm I'm, I'm a fan of comic book movies and it's unfortunate that there's all this other stuff going around the production and and the release of this movie and i'm just going to like kind of like push all that aside and 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 be excited to watch you know one last batfleck performance and and maybe possibly one last michael keaton batman performance that's what i'm showing up for so yeah yeah and zod Oh my God! And yes. Zod, more Michael Shannon. Love Thank Michael. I had, to, Shannon. I had to rewatch Flashpoint Paradox, the DC animated uh, movie yesterday. I had to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great one. That's phen- phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. That's required homework too. Before before you go see the Flash in theaters, if you choose to, you're not familiar with this storyline. Watch that animated movie. Number one, it's one of DC Animation's best movies in my opinion, and they're. They adapted the source material really faithfully, and it's it's just such a – that's another one of those stories that just fires on multiple levels. You know, it's got a tremendous amount of heart, great action, uh, awesome characters in it, and good character development in it too. It, all in like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but if our listeners like pop culture podcasts, definitely check out the Vintage Geeks. I think what you guys are doing is great over there. I love listening to you guys. So yeah, please. Appreciate that. Yeah, like and subscribe to the uh, the Vintage Geeks. And Joe, man, it was a fucking pleasure having you on. I was excited to get you on this episode, and and uh, love having you on these. I love it when it. I'm like Hannibal from the A Team. I love it when a plan. You know, comes together. So I loved it that you were able to uh, to join us on this one, Melissa. Thank you for joining us. We we couldn't we couldn't get you. We we were gonna try to record an episode earlier in the week, and then you were like, I can't I can't do it. And so I was like, oh, God, I, I hate to miss out on having Melissa's thoughts on the episode. And so this was all for you, and you made it. Oh, it's too kind. I can't deal with that. Um, no, I was really, really, especially after seeing the episode, I was really pleased to get the opportunity to talk about it with you all. Yeah. Um, so I, I am relieved a little bit. I kept, the plan to record early did not go forward. <laughs> I kept thinking like, yeah, she's fine with like missing the episode now, but like once it drops, she's going to be like, oh my gosh, I want to talk about this one. So yeah. I'm just like calling you guys just randomly. Do you guys want to chat about the episode since I wasn't there? It's like I turn off my notifications. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Melissa, I'm going to block you. Yeah. (laughs) No, Melissa, where can people find you when you're not talking The Last of Us? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mellow Yellow, and I co-host a podcast called Wild Pretty Things where we talk uh, in depth about movies and sometimes TV. Every time I hear Mellow Yellow, I just think about the soft drink. Uh, have you guys tried? They got rid of uh, Sierra Mist. Have you Have you tried the new Starry drink that replaced it? Drank one of them while it. we were recording. What's oh my that? god! <laughs> of course you did, Joe. <laughs> this episode is not brought to you by Starry. I was just even though Joe's drinking. I've Starry? tried. That's what it's called. It's called Starry. It's called Starry. Yeah. 
good lord. Does it taste like Sierra Mist it, or what? It tastes just like Sierra Mist. It's Seven Up Sprite. <laughs> it's like all that shit. It's geared. I think the only thing they did was they they added like more corn syrup to the recipe. So yeah, thank you for that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they geared it towards children as well. Like it's like a starry for. I I thought it was geared it did, towards kids. Did, yeah. Didn't they watch what happened with Logan with all that corn syrup? All the shit that happened to humanity because of that. <laughs> Did any of you guys watch the show Hunters on Amazon Prime? <laughs> yeah, I've... I watched a bit of the first season. Never, never finished. Yeah, it, I didn't though. finish it either. No, I oh, personally, I think that's a great show. But there is like a corn syrup Nazi plot. <laughs> oh, nice. Check out the Vintage Geeks. Check out the uh, the Wild Pretty Things podcast, and then you can find Joe and myself on Pop Culture Leftovers. What do we do on Pop Culture Leftovers, Joe? I'm sick of saying it every week. So you <laughs> yeah, every week we are reviewing new TV and movies. We give spoiler free reviews. We give our thoughts on them, and then we also discuss new uh, pop culture news with a heavy focus on Marvel, DC, and Star Wars. Yeah, and this week we're going to be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I actually just posted a reaction episode yesterday, letting people know my reaction to the movie. So if you want to check that out before it drops tomorrow, check it out. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with episode six. We are more than halfway through the season, and The Last of Us has been great, and I'm almost sad for it to get closer to the end because it's so good, and I can't imagine it with, out of my life for a year, year and a half, two years. Hopefully, they, with this second season announcement, they'll be able to get started on the pre-production earlier than, you know, if they would have waited to renew it. So, because uh, I don't know if I could go a year and a half, two years without the show. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't want to wait that long. All right, guys. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. See ya. Later. Bye.